The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the eighth chapter. Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who will lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So over the past several weeks, Mark's gospel has dazzled us with a narrative that highlights the ministry of Jesus. In other words, Jesus has built quite a resume over these past weeks. Over the past eight chapters, we have seen Christ baptized, overcome Satan's wilderness temptation, cast out demons, heal a leper, heal a paralytic, calm a storm, heal a man who has been tormented by demons for years, raise a girl from the dead, heal a woman who had been sick for 12 years, feed 5,000 people, walk on water, feed 4,000 more people, and heal a blind man at the pool of Bethsaida. What have you done in the last couple weeks? (laughs) For eight chapters, we have seen Jesus doing his ministry casting out demons, healing lepers, and feeding the hungry. In short, we have seen Jesus bringing about new life, proclaiming life, delivering life, and celebrating life. However, it is in this passage where we come to a turning point in the Gospel of Mark. Of the 16 chapters in Mark's Gospel, eight focus on Jesus' Galilean ministry, and eight, focus on his march toward the cross. So it is here at this place where the shadow of the cross begins to emerge and come into focus with Jesus' announcement of his innocent suffering, his rejection, and death. Suddenly, right here in this moment, Jesus' ministry does a complete 180-degree turn as he begins to talk about dying and death and bearing the cross. So when Jesus 
began to teach his disciples that the Son of Man indeed would suffer, be rejected, killed, and raised from the dead, Peter took Jesus aside and rebuked him. I mean, after all, a Messiah saves from suffering. He doesn't endure it. A suffering Messiah is unimaginable. A suffering Messiah is unthinkable. But Jesus said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on earthly things. Then Jesus said to the crowd, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Is this really a good sales pitch to gain followers? Let's be honest, this doesn't sound too attractive. When I hear these words of Jesus, I am reminded of an advertisement the famed explorer Sir Ernest Shackleton placed in a London newspaper in 1914 in a hopeful attempt to attract a crew to explore Antarctica. The ad read as follows. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, and safe return. Doubtful. Perhaps had Jesus placed an ad for discipleship, it may have read something like this to paraphrase Shackleton. Followers wanted, journey will be hazardous, no provisions, most certain danger, promised suffering, bearing crosses a must, persecution likely. Would you have responded to either of these ads, especially one that speaks of hazardous journeys, imminent suffering, bearing crosses, and losing one's life? Amazing, Shackleton's ad drew hundreds of young adventure seekers from all over Great Britain, men hoping to explore the uncharted regions and become heroes. However, I can't imagine placing such an ad in our local newspaper that speaks of promised suffering, burdens, and persecution would inspire people to join us in mission and ministry here at St. Philip the Deacon. After all, most, if not all of us, would rather have protection from suffering. We would rather avoid standing in the shadow of the cross this is what we want and expect from God, is it not? Why follow a wounded, a scarred, crucified Christ? We already have enough suffering in and, and rejection in this world, and we don't have to look far to find it. So in all honesty, is Peter's reaction really that surprising? Peter's objection to Jesus is as contemporary and personal as our own instinct for self-preservation, our own longing for security and prominence and health and life. But Mark knows in his writing that only those who follow Jesus to the cross will recognize who Jesus is. In other words, if we stop before getting to Calvary, 
We misunderstand Jesus. We mistake him for just another miracle worker or another exorcist or just a wise and compelling teacher. If the disciples proclaim Jesus as the Messiah without the cross, they proclaim a false savior. For Jesus' true identity is rooted in the cross. So why follow a crucified Christ? Because only a crucified Messiah reveals God as a suffering, vulnerable God. A God who is always present and enters into our suffering. A God whose heart breaks when our heart breaks too. Eli Wassell, a Holocaust survivor and an internationally acclaimed author, describes in his first book, Night, how he was taken to the death camps in the spring of 1944 at the age of only 14, along with all the other Jews in his community. One of Wiesel's most horrifying memories was when guards first tortured and then hanged a young Jewish boy, a child, as he described, with a refined and beautiful face, a sad-eyed angel. Just before the hanging, Eli heard someone behind him whisper, Where is God? Where is he? Thousands of prisoners were forced to watch the hanging. Behind him, Eli heard the same voice ask, Where is God now? We sell rights. And I heard a voice within me answer him, Where is he? Here he is. He is hanging here on this gallows. Though many believe that Wiesel meant to imply that God was dead and powerless to help, there is perhaps another underlying meaning that was never intended. Where is God when it hurts? Where is God in our pain and in our suffering? Where is God? He is here, hanging here on this gallows. When we look to the cross of Jesus, Wiesel's words are truer than he perhaps realized. Where was God when Jesus died a cruel, shameful death? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us that God was indeed there. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. The good news for you and me, my friends, is that the Bible bears witness to a God who hears the cries of the poor and the hungry, a God who defends the orphans, the lowly, and immigrants. The God of the Bible doesn't stand at some distance with beyond our reach, but rather stands and suffers with the people. God comes among us as a vulnerable baby born to homeless parents. He associates with those who live on the fringes, the marginalized and the outcasts. He is then executed as a criminal and buried in a borrowed tomb. The message is powerful and profound to be sure. 
God has moved into our vulnerability, our guilt, our weakness, our alienation, our suffering, and our death. God has claimed our weakness. God has claimed our wounds as potential means of healing. And because of that, we can take up a cross with the full assurance that Christ has gone before us and now shares its weight and pain. Because we follow a crucified Christ, we experience the power and love of God through the vulnerable and the suffering. We follow the crucified Christ as a people of deep hope. We live on the other side of the cross from Peter, the crucified one has become the risen one. And that is the good news for you and me. So if you were to write an ad inviting people to follow Christ, what would it look like? After all, followers of Christ are indeed wanted, and in following, our journeys at times may be hazardous, suffering may come to us, and I promise you that in the end, death certainly will. But those who follow him know that our future does not belong to the triumph of suffering or sin, or death. Rather, it belongs to Christ and the life that comes in and through him. Therefore, my dear friends, we have no reason to turn from him or hesitate to follow him. For the one who calls us to take up our cross goes with us to the cross and beyond forever and always. Let it be so. Amen.